for this year? What's our theme for this year? That's right. Today I'm speaking to you about living refreshed. You know, recently on uh, Facebook, it gives you memories, right? And uh, two years ago, we went on a holiday. So I'm sure we all like holidays. And two years ago, after my mum passed away, we got our inheritance, and that enabled us to take our whole family to Europe for three weeks. And we just had the best holiday ever. But over the last little while, Facebook every day gives me memories of that. So one day I say, oh, I remember when we were in London. Oh, there's my auntie in Rotterdam. Oh, look at that, the beach in Positano. Like, it was just fantastic. And, and I realized... How much I loved that holiday. I remember just sitting on these open-top buses and having deep family discussions while all the great things of London are going past us. But we're discussing what's going on in the Elmendorf family, right? So, but it was, it was just great. So, so I came back from that holiday, and it was a three-week holiday. We'd seen some great things. It was wonderful being with my family. And to be honest, I was very rested, And that's what a holiday does. A holiday brings you rest. And so the holiday finished, because all holidays do finish, right? And I remember the insurance company that we had, our travel insurance said, oh, look, you come back from a holiday, realize how good it is, by the time you go on another one, start thinking about the next holiday you're going on. And and I started to think about the next holiday I was going on. But the holiday finished and we had to get back to work. And I felt rested. I felt like I had the energy to work again. You know, like that. my soul was, was back in, in good nick. I, I felt energized to, to do that. And it's why I tell my staff here, you know, at, at Emerge Church, I want you to take holidays and if you can possibly have a longer break. Like this month, for the next three weeks, Pastor Jason is on a three-week holiday because I want him to, to get his soul refreshed. Sometimes after you take one week's holiday, you come back and you're almost more frustrated because you just literally started to relax and then you've got to come back to work. And so I try and help my staff have a bit of a longer holiday so that they can actually have a, a, a good rest, a good time to, to really wind down. But unfortunately, the rest of a holiday doesn't last. Have we noticed that? That, you know, maybe two weeks after you come back, you come back from your holiday, you go, yay, this, I'm ready. And then two weeks, you've been back at work, it's like, oh my gosh, when's the next holiday? Right? Like, my goodness, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, you get stressed out and you're looking forward again to your next holiday. So you've had a break, you've had a rest, but you weren't refreshed. And not understanding that principle is sometimes a reason that people become very stressed out or just upset and frustrated in their jobs or in their responsibilities because they thought that a break, they thought that a holiday would refresh them, but all it does is rest them. They are rested, but they're not refreshed. See, refreshed means that you have the gumption, the energy, the chutzpah, the drive to keep on going like it was the first time, that, that first time energy that you have when you take on something new, right? There's, a, there's an excitement and a passion about it. Rest means that you can continue 
and maintain what it is that you're doing now. And I see the, the difference between rested and refreshed is this. It means rested means you get your physical and emotional energy back, but it doesn't last because eventually you use that physical and emotional energy over time. Refreshed means that you have the reason and the purpose come back to do what it is that you're doing. The original kind of push, the original kind of energy that came in doing that thing is what takes over your spirit. So it's not about how much energy you have. It's not about how much emotionally you're invested in this. It's about the fact that I want to do this. I want to do this. It comes with desire and it does something. Your original passion returns. There's a big difference between just doing and doing something with passion. And that's the difference between rested, just doing, to doing something with passion, which is refreshed. The Bible tells us, and it only uses the word refreshing once in the whole Bible, but the Bible tells us in Acts 3 that times of refreshing come from God. It doesn't come from a holiday doesn't come from a break, doesn't come from taking time out, doesn't come from removing a hand from the plough. Times of refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. People take breaks all the time. I'm quitting this area of ministry. I'm quitting this job. Let's try a trial separation. I'm going to get another job. I'm not going to finish this course. I, I, and, and though they may have some rest from the issue, they're never refreshed. They don't have that drive and that energy to keep on recreating because that's what's happening. It says, right, like uh, that, that, that you have that ability to, to recreate. And this is what I believe is happening in the spirit over the church right now. I feel it very, very strongly in my spirit that. The 18 months of COVID that we've gone through has put people into a place of rest. But God is calling us to a time of refreshing. That, that's the, if you hear nothing else today, God is calling us to a time of refreshing. Rest is not enough. Rest is not enough. And I'm going to be speaking a little bit more about this at our leaders meeting. And if you're a volunteer or leader of any form at all in our church, or even if you're not and you want to be here on Wednesday night, you are welcome because I believe there's going to come a spiritual change in the atmosphere. It's going to be a shift on, sun, on, on Wednesday night. It's very, very important in my, in my spirit about this. See, we're rested. We're comfortable. We're in control of our walk with the Lord. Yet the Lord doesn't want us resting. He wants us refreshed. I believe that this year's summer is going to be one of the most important summits that we've ever had. Because I know that God's going to do a great work of refreshing. So let me beg you, conjole you, even bribe you. Make sure that you're there. We've got great speakers, but it's not really about that. They're just a conduit in the vehicle that God is going to use to bring a time of refreshing to our church. See, refreshing 
comes in once again seeing God's call on your life. And I need constant refreshing. I don't need constant rest. I need constant refreshing to consistently and constantly see that Jesus is with me. And that's what God's presence is. God's presence is you personally connecting with the presence of God. See, God's present all the time. He's omnipresent. It's not like God's not here. You feel the presence. Suddenly God is here. No, it means that you've connected. Right now, there's all different radio stations and radio waves in this building right now. We can't hear it. Someone's calling a race now at the Dapto Dogs, but we can't hear that. But if we got a radio, I'm guessing they don't do Greyhound racing on Sunday morning, but they're doing something somewhere, right? So, so you know, but we get a little radio and we hook into it. All of a sudden, we are connected to that. God's presence is here all the time. But as we lean in, as we start to praise, as we start to worship, as we start to raise up our hearts, there is all of a sudden a connection. When the Bible says you know, he builds his habitation in our praises, it's not God going, oh, I hear Neil praising. I better just run down there and build a house. No, it's Neil connecting. It's Neil connecting to the presence that's there. And that's what brings refreshing. When we once again see that personal connection with Jesus. That's what happens when we first get saved. When I first got saved, I knew nothing about the kingdom. I knew nothing about the church. I never walked into a church like this. I knew nothing about it. I didn't have a clue about the church. Didn't know you could be a pastor. Had no idea. Walked into this place. And all of a sudden, I sensed something of God. The preacher started to speak. And all of a sudden, I knew that the life that I'd been living, what I'd been doing, wasn't what my purpose was. The doing drugs every day, the drinking every day, the lack of employment, all of those things. No, that wasn't what God had for me. This inane urge that I had to always need to be popular, which made me make stupid decisions to try and get people to like me because somehow I thought being popular was the thing. And all of a sudden, one Sunday afternoon on July the 11th in 1982, I walked into an old building. That's not even a church anymore. It's the Multiple Sclerosis Society in South Australia. And I walked into that building and God met me there. Something changed. I remember going home that night, not having any idea, essentially having a lot of mistrust, thinking it was an American religion. But God was real. I didn't know about that church, but God was real. And I remember being in my bed and God just really speaking to me that first day at the place where I was at saying, Mark, one day all your friends are going to be Christians. Now remember, before then, I didn't even know you could be a Christian. I didn't even know that was a thing. Right? And here's God saying, one day all your friends. And I was like, wow, the very issue that I had, God ministered to me right there and then. It was like a, a proof. And so something changed. From doing drugs every day, I stopped doing drugs. Not because I didn't want to, but I just, there was something else I wanted more. Does that make sense? There was something else I wanted more. And I went to church all the time. 
I could not stay out of church. I, didn't, I wasn't working back then. I'd been on the dole for years. And, uh, and so I just would go and see what I called old ladies then. Now they're younger than I am now. But back then I thought they were old ladies. Right? And I'd go and see them and I'd ask them every question. And I would talk. And I just went from literally from not knowing anything about God to going crazy about God. Right? And I just wanted God. I'd go to church every time the church was open. I'd go to every prayer meeting every time that I could. There was nothing that would stop me being in the house of God. I remember one day getting it was a six o'clock prayer meeting and walking an hour and a half at half past four so I could go to the six o'clock prayer meeting in the morning. I wanted to, to fast. I wanted to pray. I wanted to read my word. I would fast for so long. I remember I just went to Bible college, and so I thought, I'm going to go on a week's fast. And I just took this old tent, me, camping, huh, right? So I took this old tent, didn't work, right? And then I got a heat stroke because I didn't bring water, right? So there you go, right? So then I, 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 I found this country house, and someone said, I'll come in there, and I went and fasted. And I'm saying, God, speak to me. Show me my future. Show me that I'm, I'm going to do this and that. And God said, I'm going to give you a foundation at Bible college. And I remember being at that time, a little bit ticked, going like, I knew that. Yeah, there. But it was there that God did something, built a foundation that I could build, gave me words that I can build my life on. Yeah. Right? There's, there's something when you have that first love that's in your spirit. Can you remember that? You know, often I'll sit to someone and I'll go, how did you get saved? And they would tell me their story and all of a sudden they might have been like this. But then when they start to tell me their story of how they got saved, they, they sit up and, and this happened and then God did this. And remember that when you were first Christian, everything that happened was unbelievable. Right? A bird would fly past. Oh, that's the Lord. I was just sitting there saying, God, show me a bird. And a bird flew past me. Oh, my goodness. This is incredible. Right? Like, because you would see God. Because it was, everything was new. Everything. My goodness, look at this verse. Says that God loves me. Could you believe that God loves me? Oh my goodness, God loves me. This is amazing, right? Because there was this thing you'd, you'd sit in church and you'd just worship, right? Like before I'd start worshiping in the entry song, you know, the, the, what do we do in the introductory song? Oh, there it is, that's the presence, right? Like I just wanted to worship God. I started to witness to everyone, right? I started to witness to sometimes with not great success. Right? Sometimes with a distinct lack of wisdom, but there was this hunger, this hunger, this thirst for the things of God. Jesus said to the church in Ephesus in Revelation, He said, Return to your first love. That's what refreshing is. Refreshing is when you can have that naivety again, where you don't have to have all these kind of uh, blockages or fences or, or hoops that you've got to kind of jump through to hear the presence or hear the voice of God. You just expect that God's going to speak. You just have this sense of love of God. And that's what God is wanting for us. I remember going to new Christians classes. And I remember going because I thought, I don't want to go. I don't trust these young people, right? Because remember, it was an older person right, way in their 40s, really old, right, and uh, who had, you know, like, led me or, you know, brought me to church, and so these young people, every young person I know is doing drugs, 
every young person knows getting drunk. So these weird young people at that church, they're just weird, right? And then one of these guys would, would kind of like, uh, you know, ask me to go to these new Christian classes. And I'd go, no, nah, I'm not going to go. No, nah, I'm not going to go. And I, I worked it out. I go, you know what I'll do? I'll go once, right? I'll tell him I didn't like it. And then he can't say anything to me anymore. He can't invite me. I've got this worked out. I went to that new Christian's class. Do you remember these Pastor Fred in the basement there at Paradise? They had these new Christian classes. And, and I remember going there. I completely monopolized that whole thing with the thousand and fifty questions that I had. And let me tell you, I was the first one there next week and the last one to leave. And over the seven weeks of that course, I was there every time because I was hungry. I was hungry. There was this first love. You know, Jesus' grievance against the church in Ephesus wasn't about what they were doing. It was about the fact that they'd lost their first love. See, everything they were doing was natural, kind of done as observance, rather than, that's what I want to do. That's my heart to do. See, religious people serve God out of observance and obedience. They do it because they feel like they have to, not because they want to. Let's read this scripture, Revelation 3, verse 2. It says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do these first works. You know, the church in Ephesus was an amazing church. It's founded by Paul on his third missionary journey. So the foundation of that church is impeachable. It, it, it wasn't started by someone who's just trying to prove that they could be a pastor. It wasn't started by a novice. It was started by the big cheese himself, Paul. And he stays there for three years. The church is massive. Timothy then becomes the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And John, the writer of Revelation, becomes the pastor after that. So this is a good church from a great foundation. It's a big church. And at the time, they say it's one of the biggest churches ever because at one stage it reached 300,000 people in that church. So that's a big church, right? It's bigger than Hillsong, right? So... uh, So it's a big church. Look what God says about it. He goes, I know your works and labor. So God sees what they're doing. I know your works. I I know your labor. I know that you guys work hard. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. It's not a sinful place. No, if you're living a life that's not of God, then, you know, it's kind of, you just feel uncomfortable there, you get out. You examine the claims of people who claim they're apostles. You patiently endure suffering without quitting, right? I would love to pastor that church. It would be amazing. It's got a lot going on. And what happened, what was Jesus' thing? It's like, you've lost your first love. They'd lost their sense of it being personal. Everything I did 
was a natural response to the God that I was seeing. The God that was walking and, and talking with me. The God that was with me. I did what I did because that's what God wanted me to do. Not because a church said, a man said, or any of those things. No, I wanted to be in that prayer meeting, not because someone said it was on. I wanted to be at that meeting, not because someone said I had to. I wanted to be there. Wherever it was, I was there because I wanted to. See, the church at Ephesus did lots of stuff, but it was just an observance. It was just perceived obedience to do a dogma and to living a new way, a new way of behavior. Essentially, it's just religion. And rest will make you religious, but it's refreshing we need if we want to live out God's plan for our life. Why did I do all I did when I got saved? Because it was my natural response to the Jesus I saw. Why did a sinful woman in the, in the, in the, in the Bible break a flask of oil worth a, a year's wages and wash Jesus' feet with her hair? It was a, national, nat, a natural response. Why did Zacchaeus, a tax collector, repay all of those that he'd shafted and give the money back to the poor? Because it was a natural response. Why did Paul get up after being stoned and, and, and almost to death and then being thrown out of the city, get up and go back into the city and start to preach out to the very people, to preach to the ones who had stoned him and cast him out? It was a natural response. Why did Peter jump out of the boat when he saw and heard Jesus after the resurrection? Because it was a natural response. There was a hunger and a thirst to do what God had wanted to do. There are dozens of examples throughout the Word of God where someone who encountered Jesus had a natural response to follow Him. Yeah. i got to do what He asked me to do. i got to follow Him. I want Him to be with this man. Times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. And to be honest, we need to work on our natural response. When was the last time you responded to something that God asked you personally? Tough question. Some of us need to stir up the hunger and the thirst for the kingdom once again. You know, God has been doing something in our midst this year. Our theme is live. And I believe that's because God knew that it would be a year with all these restrictions. And he's saying, don't live under the restrictions. Don't live lesser when there's still greater ahead of you. I'm not restricted by the different things. And thank God for the restrictions, to be honest. I mean, to be honest, like, let's face it, if they didn't do this lockdown so suddenly, like last week, maybe we wouldn't even be in church and we'd be in a worse place for a whole lot longer time. The government's trying to do their best. We may not like some of the things that they're doing. And as I said to the church on Sunday night, our job isn't to criticize them. Our job is to pray for them. Right? And it doesn't matter whether it's Labour here or Liberal and nationally. We pray for our leaders. It's not a political thing. God asks us to pray for them. Right? Some of us need to stop resting and begin again to seek refreshing. God's looking for a merged church to be a people who haven't lost their first love. Are you living a fresh Christianity? This is the one thing I love about God. He just brings something to light and then lets you respond. He's not forcing you. Well, I've given this message now. You better listen. 
That's not God. You know, the Bible says that he, he doesn't quench a burning flax, but he'll blow the Spirit of God into it so it becomes a fire again. God's not sitting there pointing his finger at you, rebuking you. You're lazy. Nah, 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 nah. He's just saying, repent. And we always go, repent. Oh, I've got to. No, it's just stop doing what you're doing and turn around and start to stir that thirst again. Start to stir that love again. Start to stir that passion again. Start to stir that hunger again. He's, that's what God's doing this morning. He's not yelling at anyone. I might be, right? He's not yelling at anyone. He's saying, I've got this for you. I've got this life for you. I've got this purpose for you. I've got this passion. I've got this abundant life that I have for you. I've got this plan that's for your life. This is what I've got for you. Come. I'm, I'm drawing. I'm asking you to come and experience all it is that I have for you. You don't have to do some big cleansing ceremony, some weeping and gnashing your teeth at the front of the altar. Oh, that's there's someone. There's no magic prayer. There's no act of penance, you know, like I want you to fast for two weeks just to show how thirsty you are, right? There's no act. Do what God's asked you to do. There's times God's asked me to fast for two weeks, but he asked me. not telling me to tell you, right? He's saying, hey, Mark, you need to go fast. I probably should right now, but that's for other reasons, right? But uh, that's what God's saying. So don't hear so much my words this morning, but hear the voice of the Spirit. Hear the of what the Spirit of God is saying. So I can be bold today because I feel very clearly that God has spoken to me about this. That's why I'm calling a leaders meeting on, on, on Wednesday because I, I want to take this to a, another level. Once again, it's not anything to do with putting my finger and yelling and telling people off. That's, if, if that's what you've heard today, you completely not heard what my heart is saying. It's draw near to me so I can draw near to you. That's what the Spirit of God is saying. Draw near to me again. Draw near to me again. I want the band to come up. And I'm just going to have a little bit of time worship. I'm going to play a song. Now, I'll do a disclaimer right at the beginning. This song is from 1986. All right? It's got what they call a synthesizer for you young people. All right? It's a synthesizer. They don't use them anymore. All right? But uh, you'll hear this. But I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes, and I want this allow the Spirit of God to use this song to minister to you. Ephesians 5.18 says this, Don't be drunk with wine. Somebody should just stop there. That's good advice, right? Because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. How are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Listen to what it says. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord within your hearts. Connecting with the presence of God, with the call of God. And the great thing about it is I don't have to do anything because God will say what he needs to say to Neil, what he says to to Danny, what he needs to say to Jackie. God, God will say to you, I don't need to say anything. The Spirit of God will say something to you. So Jamie, if we could all just close our eyes. I want you to listen to this song.
I want you to allow the Spirit of God just to minister to you.
want us to stand right now. And I'll just ask the band just to play something softly. And I want you right now to have your own little prayer meeting with God as if no one else is here. Ask for your first love to just be restored. seemed mature. It just seemed natural. It just seemed a response. It wasn't work. It wasn't effort. It was just you, oh God. I would just see new things of you, oh Lord. Just another reason to smile, another reason to, to serve, another reason to go, another reason to do, God. A response. Father, take us back to first love. Father, we want to be a well church. But Father, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. We need to, we need to thirst, oh God. We need to thirst. Let there be a thirst that comes in the hearts of a merged church, oh God. Let a thirst come, a thirst for your kingdom, O oh Lord. I thank you that you're doing it, O oh God. Father, even yesterday, our speaker just said there's a hunger here. Amongst those 200 women, there was a hunger, there was a thirst. Father, let us be known for the thirst, O oh Lord, for the hunger for the things of God. The things of the world are just dim. They're not what attracts us, oh Lord, but your presence. To where prayer was sweet, oh God. Father, where our desire was, was straight for you, oh God. Father, where I believe that everything was possible, oh God. Father, let it be, oh God. My, my desire is you. My desire is holiness. My desire is your presence. My desire is your kingdom, O oh God. Stir it within us, O oh Lord. Make a merged church a hungry church, a thirsty church, O oh God. Father, we don't want to just be rested. We want to be refreshed, O oh God. That comes from the, from the presence of God. Father, not a word from Mark, not a something of man that comes from heaven. Heaven, speak to us. Heaven, 
draw us. Heaven, act upon us. We say, Holy Spirit, do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. Father, it's not about position, not about recognition. It's not about being seen. It's about pleasing heaven. Bring us back to first love. Bring us back to first love.